Welcome to Unlimited Parenting, where we discuss having children with disabilities or special health care needs. I'm your host, Allison, and with me today is Melissa, and we are going to be talking about the components of an IEP or Individualized Education Plan. So let's get into the stuff and the things. Melissa? Yes. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back. We are recording this on a Friday. We are. So it's. <laughs> I hope it's Friday wherever you are, too. Oh, I hope for everyone involved that they are having a lovely Friday as we are. Yeah. Good. Yeah, Friday. Yeah. That's all Friday. we're going to say about Let's that, I guess. On. Okay. <laughs> so like I said, we're going to talk about components of an IEP. So for the purposes of this, we are going to be taking an IEP that is just... The standard grade level. Standard, yeah. Let's, so not, not transition, yeah. not pre-K. We're just going to look at the standard IEP. So if you'll remember from previous episode, we talked about the 10 steps to special education and briefly mentioned creating this. So we're going to talk about components this week. And next week, we'll do a deep dive into goals. Cool. That's so, a good way to do it. Let's break it apart. That's kind of the plan. Yeah. So... Again, this is, you're going to hear me rustling some papers. I apologize. I have an IEP in front of me. This is Idaho specific. So if we're doing things out of order or we mentioned something that you don't see on yours, we're looking at an Idaho specific IEP. Mm -hmm. However, a lot of this should apply to everybody, right? Yeah, a lot of... A lot of, I mean, the majority of the components of an an IEP or an individualized education plan are mandated or dictated by the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA. Um, So a lot of the components are going to look the same no matter what state you're in. Wherever you are. Yeah. As long as you're in the United States. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) After that, we're no longer the experts. Nope. So again, just for explicit clarification purposes, we are going to pretend that this is an annual review. This is not an initial IEP or the triennial review. It's just our yearly annual review. So when we're looking at this on page one, it's just a lot of demographic information. Yeah, a lot of those, you know, we just have to have the student's name and birth date and their grade level, those demographics, yes. Um, just just that every, everything has to have. Yep. But this is a good point to pause and say, are we within the year, right? Is this mm-hmm. the right date? Are we following the timeline? Have I moved? Yeah, absolutely. I caught, I had an old work number on my kiddo's IEP last, I, last you know, year when we met. So, yeah, make sure that your information is correct. It also is going to have your triennial um, evaluation date on there too. So that's where every three years our kiddos are reevaluated to determine if they're still eligible for special education. That date is going to be on there too. So that's nice to know. Just back pocket when that's coming up. As a heads up to prepare mm-hmm. yourself. Or your kiddo even. Yeah. yeah those evaluations. If, it, if they're there and it's appropriate, mm-hmm. right? Yep, exactly. And then... Just below that is IEP information. So what eligibility category? And again, another good point to pause and say, eligibility category, does it really matter? After you've been found eligible, it's just a word on a paper, right? Pretty much. 
as yeah. long as you're getting the services that you need, it doesn't matter if you're qualified under OHI or nope. and multiple those, disabilities. No, and they change and there's really, yeah. As long as you're qualified under one of the 14 qualifying criteria, it, you're qualified. doesn't matter. But again, if that sounds weird, Idaho 14 <laughs> categories. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Just again, as a heads up. After that is procedural safeguards. So again, what are your rights and responsibilities as a participant mm -hmm. in this program? They're going to be offered every time. Yep. Every year they should be offered um, at your IEP meeting um, or the first time you enter into a state complaint, they should be offered, but you should be offered the, your procedural safeguards at least once a year. And... In your native language. Yes, that is very important. Mm -hmm. If you speak Spanish, you can get them in Spanish. Absolutely. Whatever your language is. IDEA requires that, that you are provided those in your native language. So Arabic, Spanish, Portuguese, whatever that may be, they should absolutely be supplied to you in your native language. And those are going to come from the state of Idaho. They're still, they, they would just be translated into your native language that I know you're laughing because that does seem funny. I am. I am but giggling. it is a situation that has happened. It's um, almost a chortle. It's, um, <laughs> so I, I just, I throw that out there. <laughs> exactly. I throw that out there because, you know, we've seen it in this office. We've seen it. We've seen many crazy things. Yeah. And we're here to remind you that you, you should have that. That's an expectation you, for you to get that. You should have that. You can decline it if you don't want it. If you've seen it a, a million times or you have copies at home, that's your right to decline it, but they have to offer it to you. And we're in the back of it under we resources. Mm -hmm. So that's where you can, you can find us. If you forget our phone number, we're alongside people like Disability Rights mm -hmm. Idaho, State Department of Education, yep. Rights Law. Yep. Lots of resources in there. Uh, you'll also notice if you're looking at this IEP form while we're talking, uh, it should be linked in the description box, wherever you're listening to this podcast, we'll put it there. Um, you'll see something it's in gray, some numbers and it says CFR. Yeah. Do you have any idea what that is? What am I looking at? I do. <laughs> so those are the, the federal reg, federal regulations. Let I was going to call them the regs, but, the um, regs. so those are, like I mentioned earlier, as this is uh, all mandated and dictated out of IDEA, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, for all those acronyms. Um, so those CFRs come directly out of IDEA and correspond to exactly what is um, the what section they're in. So I think the portion that you are looking at right now is the um, the members of the the team members that are attending and there are some required members so those are going to be attached with some cfrs that point to those required members am i is that where you're looking yeah okay no we're on the same page okay good literally and <laughs> figuratively <laughs> for once in our well, life i'm just kidding it doesn't happen um it doesn't happen no it does it happens all the time um so those I don't want to, yeah, so that's what those CFRs there, those are just citing those federal regulations as they can be found to directly correspond um, in IDEA. And they're all over the IEP, oh, not yeah. just on this one portion of it. No, and if you see them, that's a required portion. So that, if you see it and that's blank in your IEP, that's, that's not right. We that's need to go back. to ask some questions. Yep, Raise exactly. your hand. I have some follow-ups. <laughs> yep, exactly, yep. 
So next, we're looking at Medicaid notification. So does the student's IEP include Medicaid reimbursable services? And boy, is this a whole other conversation. Yeah. On iPoll's Facebook page. Yeah. We just recently did a lunch and learn with... So we had Karen Stragel from the, um, so she's the school-based school. I, okay. It's me, Friday. It's, it's Friday. Friday. We warned you it was Friday and my mouth isn't working. So Karen is the school-based Medicaid. She has a couple other really great responsibilities at Idaho State Department of Ed. Um, but she is responsible for kind of helping districts and families navigate school-based Medicaid. And then Almira at the Department of Health and Welfare is kind of Karen's counterpart. And she deals with school-based Medicaid for the Department of Health and Welfare. Um, and the two of those ladies, for, put, and I'll, we can put this in the comment too, I Yeah, guess. sure. Okay. I can link it. I have a really cool document that explains school-based Medicaid and probably would answer a lot of the questions that um, we, <laughs> we get a lot of the times. And what I thought is was really interesting was one of the key takeaways that you, you can say yes to those services, billing to Medicaid. Mm -hmm. You can also say no, but it doesn't take away from your budget if you receive community-based supports through yeah. Medicaid. Yeah. And I, honestly, and, and that's what we talked about um, in our Lunch and Learn, that's really one of the biggest misconceptions, I guess I should say, that parents don't check that that box to allow the school to bill Medicaid because they are, are in fear that their home and community-based supports will be affected. It's going to come out of their budget. I'm already yep. using that budget for my right support worker, mm -hmm. my adaptive equipment. Yeah, exactly. All the stuff it's in the things. All the stuff in the things. Yeah. And we don't, you know, that budget isn't, doesn't go a long way. So we want to protect that budget, but no, it um, is school-based Medicaid is, is a little bit different. It's not going to affect those home and community-based services. And I mean, I, I'll throw this out there too. Our, our, Schools are not getting rich off of our kids. The reimbursement rate no. is not a full reimbursement rate. So it's just covering a proportion of those rates that, you know, of those related services. So whether it's occupational therapy, speech, um, physical therapy, behavioral intervention, those are all school-based Medicaid billable services. Personal care. There's I'll no put one. you on the spot. Uh -oh. I check the box. Do you check the box? Oh, I, I check the box. <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. Because my kid gets a lot of school-based yeah. Medicaid services. And yeah. They need the box they checked. They need those boxes checked. Yeah, they do. Next, you're going to see uh, IEP team information. So all of those team members listed their position and whether or not they were in attendance mm -hmm. for core members, parent, special ed teacher, general education teacher, and district representative. Yep. Yeah, and you might have a few others in there if your kiddo's getting related services, like a speech pathologist, um, an OT, a PT, um, someone like that. Maybe the nurse, if, if there's a healthcare plan. Um, my kiddo has a healthcare plan, so the nurse pops in. But those are not required members. So if you remember, we just talked about those CFRs. The required members have a CFR next to them. The non-required members won't. So that kind of dictates who should be there and who shouldn't. Generally, IEP meetings are a full house, though. Oh, yeah. It's everybody in there. Mom <laughs> at the IEP meeting. It's the place to be. Yep. <laughs> Happy times. Mm -hmm. So then we're going to move to, this is the portion of the IEP where you would select early childhood, standard, or secondary. Again, we're doing standard. So at this point, we would dive into goals. Yep. 
And like I said, next week, we're going to do a really deep dive into goals. But basically, when we're looking at goals, we're looking at the three main components, which are disability impact statement, yeah. help me, parent input. Yeah, so we need parent input, and then we need kind of a baseline. Like the, Oh, there yeah. we go. Thank you. Where our kiddo is at. Yeah. And then from there, we can make benchmarks and talk about how we're mm-hmm. going to track it. But this is yep. the goal portion. Yep. From And that can be... Again, individualized one goal, two oh, goals, yeah. a million goals. Yeah. Some IEPs are 13 pages, some are 25, right? Yep, some are two. Well, probably yeah. four, you know, when you get all that other stuff in there. But yeah, if, if we have a speech only IEP, they could be a couple pages with a couple goals. If your IEP is two pages, please call us. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Two pages would be, you know, just your demographics and then your, you know, your back page with us on it. So that probably is, is warranting a call. for teasing Melissa. Yeah. It's literally my life goal. It's, well, it's go. in my IEP. <laughs> I have to track how many times I tease you. Okay. Then we're moving you need on. A behavior chart. I probably do. I, then we're moving on to IEP services. So again, this can look much larger or it can be a much smaller. It's, it's a, how is it? It's a chart, right? Yeah. So it'll be a chart that should be um, broken apart by minutes received. Some districts will do minutes per week, per day. So it's going to look a little bit different just depending on your district. But yeah, it will be in a chart. Where is it location-wise within the school, which again is a really fun time to get creative. Yeah. PBIS supports maybe on the playground or Mm -hmm. occupational therapy on the playground. Yeah. Start time, end time, again, minutes. And what? What is this optional statement of service delivery? So that's that's kind of a COVID response. Okay. So um, districts are obligated to provide a an optional statement of delivery. So like um, a distance learning plan. If we were to experience a pandemic again that forced us all back into our homes, please no, don't let that happen. You put that um, back into your mouth and out so, of the universe. I got to find some wood and knock on something. Um, so if we, if something like that were to happen again, this provides that optional statement of delivery or if a kiddo um, has a long-term illness and is going to be home, you know, that's, I shouldn't have even said that. That's kind of a whole other well, homebound discussion, but you're, what you're basically saying is just another, you know, point of proof of hyper individualization uh, yeah. for this whole document. Yep. It's all bases covered. Yep. You're exactly right. So after IEP services, we move to another, not that all parts of the IEP aren't super critical, but this one really sticks out for me personally is LRE or least restrictive environment. So just real briefly, we're going to, you know, put the student to the maximum extent possible with general education peers mm-hmm. when and where appropriate. So least restrict environment, not a place. No, not a place necessarily. No, just, uh, and sometimes it does, it is listed as a place or it will make sense to have be a place because um, when we're talking in terms of like the gen ed classroom or a special education classroom or a resource room, it's easier to point out and, and put it on paper like that, but it can be more than that. Like for example, um, my student participates with his gen ed peers in general education PE and general education library, general education music. So it's not necessarily in the gen ed classroom, but it's with his gen ed peers. 
Does that make sense? Yes, but then that's also translating exactly like you said to this piece below. Average time outside the general education environment and average time inside that Mm -hmm. environment. And that's like... Those will be percentages. Like an 80-20, 50-50. Yeah. Yep. And that's individualized for every kid is going to be different. Every student, it's going to look a little bit different because we want a student in their least restrictive environment to the maximum extent possible. And this could be a student who is receiving push-in services. So they're in the general education Mm -hmm. classroom 100% of the time, but they're still receiving special education through push-in services. Yep, absolutely. So this could look like anything. The Mm -hmm. world is your oyster. (laughs) Then we're going to move over to placement considerations, which is a series of yes or no questions. Things like, is this based on the student's educational needs that are documented? Is this close to the student's home as possible? Is this where the student would attend if they didn't have a disability? Mm -hmm. Did we consider any harmful effect? These are kind of LRE questions, right? Yep. Yep. Then after that, we're going to move to other considerations. So I think we should go through all of these because these Mm -hmm. are all very different. So number one, special transportation. And that can look really, really different, right? It can. Yeah. Depending upon your students' needs, the district's transportation, um, you know, the companies they work with. I mean, our rural schools don't have, you know, large special education buses. They don't need them. They don't have a need for them. So their buses are potentially, it's it's a van or... Yeah, so specialized transportation is a related service in a kiddo's IEP that they are found eligible for. Um, And the districts are obligated to provide special education transportation if the student is eligible. And they really have our students, you know, best addresses at heart. They're really, in some cases, getting super creative. Like, wasn't there during COVID an instance where I'm going to butcher this story, so I apologize in advance. A student was transported to school in an ambulance or something. They got really creative, right? Yeah. Or was it a hotel? It was a hotel um, shuttle that was doing some of the transportation. I would have never thought of that. Yeah, I know. That was super outside the box thinking. They're like, we got to get this kid to school. It's our responsibility to provide Mm -hmm. this transportation just like we would provide it for any other student. Absolutely. Yep. I'm like, wow, that's impressive. Yeah, we've heard of taxis being utilized sometimes, you know, when busing is an option. Uh, I mean, and this is very much getting into the weeds and going down a rabbit hole of transportation, but um, parents and districts can come into an agreement that parents are paid for the transport. Um, I mean, it's it's very individualized situations, but this is an individualized education plan. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Ask. Ask to brainstorm out of yep. the box. Call us. We've seen... We've seen literally everything. Yeah. You can't surprise me. <laughs> In fact, you know what? I will pay you. It's a you surprise, surprise right? <laughs> we are at no cost to families, but yes. you could pay. We will pay you if you surprise us. I don't We Maybe shouldn't say that. <laughs> Be entered into my weekly drawing. There we go. An Amazon gift card. <laughs> I love it. Okay. See, we're losing it. Yeah. We're losing it on this Friday, <laughs> deep diving into an IAP, but... In- it's important. It's important. And I it think, is. I think it's really cool to share with parents all the things that we've seen made happen so I that they know them. that, you know, these school districts really do want to support our mm-hmm. kids and all the things that we've tried and maybe something speaks to them. Yeah. No, I agree. And and that how uh, in 
Idaho being Idaho, you know, we are rural. rural frontier state. We hear this all the time. So we got to think outside of the box sometimes, and especially in these little tiny districts. Yeah. And I, I've said it before on a different podcast, but I think it bears repeating. I might as well make it a sound option on this soundboard. But I mean, Boise needs something different than Bonner's Ferry, right? <laughs> yes. Fair. Rupert and Kimberly, Idaho might not be the same as West Ada School District. Absolutely. Come so, on. yeah, we're dealing with different challenges all over. And so let's get creative and and we can help because like we, we've seen it. We've seen it's it. our job to make it work. Yeah. So next consideration is are extended school year services required for this student? So basically, if I'm reading this correctly, mm-hmm. How it's it's essentially asking how much regression is going to occur if this student yeah. is out of school for the summer, right? Yeah, exactly. So it extended school year, not many kiddos qualify. It's not to continue working on, or it's not to work on the IEP. It is extended school year. Yes, you're exactly right. It is for the kiddo that is nearing mastery of a certain skill. And we don't want to see that, that summer slip, that regression happen. Or if we know that, um, yeah, we're going to have big, big regression come fall and we need to alleviate that. But extended school year is completely different than a traditional school school year, um, they're going to be just working on those very individualized skills um, that that would be showing those signs of regression. So not not like a summer camp, but not as academically intensive focus, just making sure that we're not going to have to make up for lost time. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, and extended school year, again, it looks different in different areas or different districts. Um, sometimes it can it can be really challenging because it's at a different school or a different placement than the child traditionally, you know, during the regular school year will be going. So it does, it's very individualized. It's very individualized. Let's just put it at that. Which that's going to be our go-to answer for everything. We need a button that says that. Yeah. (laughs) It's very individualized. I mean, we're not, I mean, it's not a lie. It's not, it's just not summer school. So, right. Yes. Don't that. think it's summer school. Don't think it's heavily academic, but just mm-hmm. know that it is an option and some people qualify for it. Yeah. And and this is right about the time where they're letting you know if your student is qualifying in preparation for the extended school year. So right around end of February, middle of March is when that notification usually happens. Yes. Yeah, so we're recording this in February. You might oh, not yes. hear it for a couple of months, but I mean, maybe we can make a Patreon <laughs> and give people sneak peeks <laughs> to the <laughs> podcast. However, if you have any questions, you can call us anytime yes. and we would have this conversation with you. You yep. don't have to wait for the podcast. You can hear my voice Monday through Friday, yeah. nine to five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Moving on. Okay. Does the student have limited proficiency in English? Is mm-hmm. the student deaf or hard of hearing? Does the student have unique communication needs? Is the student blind or visually impaired? And does the student have healthcare needs? Okay. So this is essentially the, we're making sure all the other things are checked off and that we don't need to address anything before we move forward, right? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Do we need to bring in any outside support? So do we need, you know, if we have a a student with a visual or hearing impairment, that's when we bring in IESBD, um, any... uh, assistive technology. Um, we can, you know, there's, there's a lot of options there. Um, and, and those students that 
their English isn't their what a what their does it say first exactly? language. It's yeah. a limited proficiency. Limited. In English. Okay. So that's sometimes where we have that ESL student. So English as a second language. The, that's where we just identify all of this, so that then we can identify the supports that the student needs. Yes, and so those those ones that we just listed are more. Um, they're looking at th- physical things. Mm-hmm. The next part mm-hmm. is a behavioral yeah. need. Yep. So the next one goes, does behavior impede the student's learning or the learning of others? And then at that point is where we would ask, does this student have what's what we call a BIP, a behavioral intervention plan? Is it working? Do we need to adjust it? What does it look like? And then we're going to talk about the goals. And then again, how those goals are reported on because BIPs can have different reporting than the other goals throughout the IEP. So sometimes we're really looking at those behaviors more often. So that can look like, let's just say student's name is Timmy. Okay. Timmy has a series of coping skills that he knows that he can utilize at any point. So how many times did Timmy use those coping skills without needing any kind of prompting? So that reporting looks different than did some, let's say Timmy's other goal was like, was something along the lines of Timmy's going to be asked once a week to say the alphabet phonetically or something along those lines. So that's where reporting can look very different. So, and then you, again, you can have a behavioral intervention plan standalone. It can go with a 504. You see it here in an IEP. This is just another section, very individualized, does not apply to everybody. Yes, you handled that nicely. Thank you. I was dying and trying not to cough into the microphone, so I apologize. But isn't that so nice that I, I just, I yeah. just, I just did it, right? You I just did it. I didn't need help. You, why would you need help? For for those of you listening who don't recognize my voice, I'm sorry. Pro- you probably will soon, but I am the I'm the newest member of Idaho Parents Unlimited. You are, but you are now. You very much have solidified yourself as the behavioral expert at Idaho Parents Unlimited. <laughs> through through many years of experience. <laughs> yes. She's lived in the behavioral trenches and um, has crawled her way out. <laughs> I've written them. I've seen them. I yeah. dream about the bips in my sleep. Yep. So she's our go-to. So I'm glad that that's the part that I decided to get a tickle in my throat. Please don't when we talk about assistive technology. That's, I'm yeah, going to okay. need you then. I got it. I gotcha. <laughs> We're going to move on to accommodations, adaptations, and or supports. Okay. So when we're looking at accommodations, we're going to answer questions like presentation, timing, setting, and response. So uh, a common adaptation that I see a lot for whatever reason is uh, preferred seating. Yep. Yeah, that's, uh, I would say, hands down, probably the most common adaptation. And that can happen in an IEP or a 504, right? Because that's an accommodation. But right. So I digress. Can you give an example that of an accommodation that would fall under, that would be needing specifics under timing and schedule? Um, as far as preferred seating? Or, or, or any accommodation. Is that like ISAT accommodation? Yeah, that's a really good one that has the schedule and timing. So those, or, or just testing in general. So if a student needs um, additional accommodations for test taking. So the the frequency or the timing would be when, when a test is happening. Um, 
you know, so we don't know. Where does that setting happen? So if, if, if a student needs extra support or maybe they need to take their, they need to do their testing in a quiet room away from, from others. Um, maybe they need to do it in a different type of seating situation. So that's where you would then pull in. So your timing and your schedule is going to look a little bit different, even your setting, because potentially they're taking it in a test in a library or in a, in a quieter setting. Um, we see preferential or we see seating as an option. So that could look like a balance, uh, a balance board or a, a ball seating, something for a student that, that has trouble focusing and needs that seating. Or even something or, as simple as I am visually impaired. So I sit yes. in the front of the class mm-hmm. or I can't sit next to Bobby. So I'm yep. Mm-hmm. just seated somewhere differently than Bobby. Yeah. Um, or some, sometimes kiddos have urgent bathroom needs and they need to be seated. seated. <laughs> I told you it's Friday and I'm okay. They need to be seated next to the, you know, in the back next. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad I got her on that one. I'm trying so hard not to laugh. If you know me in person, you know, my laugh is one that <laughs> would just rupture your eardrum if oh, recorded on a microphone. So I'm trying really hard. That's I'm true. so hard here. Okay. But I also wanted to take this opportunity to plug that if you are taking ISATs or IRI or any of those, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can only use accommodations that you normally use in your yep. IEP. You cannot mm-hmm. request extra accommodations. So Correct. if you're not using accommodations for test taking and then you want to try to use them for the ISAT, they're going to tell you no, right? Yep. Yeah. So have those in there if you want. Them. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And then after accommodations, we're going to move to adaptations, which are changes to what the student is learning, not how they're learning. Yeah. So let's say Timmy's in fourth grade. Kim? Timmy needs lower lexile level learning essentially mm-hmm. for reading. So he's getting second grade instruction. Mm-hmm. So that's where his adaptation comes into play. Yep. So we're still following content standards, um, but we're just making that adaptation to a, a lower lexile score for, for Timmy. So that, yep. That's, and maybe that's the only time Timmy gets pulled out of the general education yeah. environment is just for that. And then he's with his general education peers mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. Or maybe Timmy is always in an inclusive classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, he could have those individualized. Yeah, those push in supports. Yeah. And, and that's that's, again, what this document is for. It's going to spell it all out so everybody knows. And then after that, we're going to move to participation in statewide and district-wide assessments, how timely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to have a whole bunch of options. So IRI, ISAT, ISAT, ALT, we're not going to test them. Um, again, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay, put me on the spot. <clears throat> you have a child who does not take a lot of testing. However, he still does take the ISAC, correct? He is nonverbal. He is nonverbal. Yep. Um, he is in seventh grade. So he takes the ISAT all and he goes until he can't go anymore. And that's probably one question. And that's okay because he, you know, he he's in that 3% of, of kiddos realistically in the state that qualifies for the ISAT alts because he has some pretty significant learning disabilities cognitive deficiencies. Um, and, and so he qualifies for that. And that has been determined by his IEP team, but he still takes them. And for the most part, every student really takes mm-hmm. it. There are some students who opt out completely, but then that changes how they graduate. Is that correct? 
or am I misleading? There. Should I strike that from the record? No. Well, it's part of a bigger picture of graduation requirements, I guess I would say. Um, Some. So. I'm trying to answer this in the. Okay. Best I wish I I wish I could insert some Jeopardy music <laughs> while we pause for diplomacy, right? And how we're going to answer this. So students that are, whoops, I hit the microphone. Sorry, students that are meeting um, graduation requirements will have yes, state of Idaho. I, I, I think it's the I. You're putting me on the spot. Okay, I'm going to pause for a minute and just say that. If you feel like your child does not need to take the ISAT, please reach out and we can help you guide you through that process of how to deny that on the IEP and opt out. (laughs) However, a lot of students take it. My student takes it. Your student takes it. Everyone's students in this office. Yeah, we take it. Everybody takes it. Everybody takes it. It Some people don't want to take it and that's fine. Exactly. And graduation requirements, there's... It's getting into the weeds, so I. I know. This could be a thirty-minute conversation, and I'm happy just to about do that. The ISATs, yes. right? <laughs> so let's have I, another podcast about that. Well, we were planning this podcast. We said, "Now, listen, we're just going to stick <laughs> to the topics. We're not going to go too in depth." And this was her saying this to me because mm-hmm. she knows I'll keep asking. So I was trying. Prime example. <laughs> She's trying very politely to guide me back to the paper. It's not working. You must say it to my face. Okay. Okay. Written notice of special education action. So is this the prior, this is the prior written notice section, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So this is where we're including, the school is including all of the actions they have proposed. Mm-hmm. So any changes that are being made, yep. anything that's being added, redact, yep. right? Yeah. So anything that you have added during the course of your IEP meeting, any of those maybe we've added a couple accommodations maybe we've removed a couple but yeah that's where that's going to be noted and then why why did we agree to this why did we disagree with this what did we consider when we were doing that what did we look at yep and any other information that may not have fit into any of those categories i just Mm -hmm. listed that might be relevant to the discussion Mm -hmm. and if you're not having if you don't have this iep form in front of you right now let me just say that there are so many cfrs they're listed next to this prior written notice section. So I guarantee that you would see that in the procedural safeguards mm-hmm. too. So this is very important and will always be provided if a change is going to be made. Yep. And prior written notice has to happen. Um, there's there's a lot of instances where it has to happen. So that's why it's dedicated a big portion to it because it's it's a very big component of IDEA and 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 getting this information to parents. And it must be in your native language. It must be in your native language, yes. And then we we move to consent for initial placement, which is on this IEP, even though we say we're doing an annual review. Mm-hmm. So you're doing, so we'll stick with the annual review. You're going to sign, mm-hmm. and when you sign, you're saying that you're present. Yep, that's not, all you're doing. Not consent. Nope, because you've consented to that initial IEP, so that's the only time that your signature is signing consent. Um, any any other time that you sign, you're signing that you are in attendance. So for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to say, no, this is not initial placement. Correct. And I, I will, let me add that this is. Please do. <laughs> this is specific to the state of Idaho. 
So if you're listening yes, somewhere else, California, the whole signing we're thing, looking at you. Yep. The whole signing thing. We hear that quite often parents say, I'm, I'm not signing. I refuse to sign. And that's just essentially in Idaho saying that you were, you were not in attendance at the meeting. It has no repercussions. There are other things. That's when you call us because this yes, is a bigger you're conversation. Get the copy of the mm-hmm. IEP and then you have 10 days to dispute. Yeah. You could do some stay put pendency. Yep. I digress. Yes, we've, we do. <laughs> Please, that. Allison, digress. <laughs> So then we'd move on to a copy of the IEP has been provided to the parent guardian. Mm -hmm. It should be. In that moment? Not necessarily. If there were a lot of proposed changes or amendments or, you know, we added, we removed, um, the school has 10 days after that IEP meeting to supply the parent with a copy of the IEP. So I always ask for one ahead of time. I was just about Mm -hmm. to say, you can make that request, but it's nothing that, that... is you don't have any legal basis to request that. No. It's kind of just, hey, if yep. you have that available, I'd love to take a look at it so that I could be a more prepared participant in the conversation. Yeah. It's a good best practice in schools. It it really cuts down on the amount of time that an IEP meeting can take if a parent has pre-seen what is going to be in it and you know can kind of start on some of those questions. It's helpful, yeah. I guess, is what we're saying here. But yeah, you have 10 days after your IEP meeting concludes to get a copy of that IEP into your hands. Thank you for hanging in with us this long. We are so yeah, close you. to being done. It's all, This <laughs> podcast is almost the length of an actual IEP meeting. <laughs> of course it is. We didn't even talk about goals. <laughs> That's why I knew. I knew it had to be its own thing. I'm like, I would never. I would never get through it. I just wouldn't. Yep. I have so much to say. So then we'd move on to who do you contact if you need assistance? So this is where you're going to get your school district contact information. And then, wouldn't you know, a list of agencies. Uh, Why are we not first? I'm just kidding. So we have Idaho State Department of Education. (laughs) Because they are first. I mean, I guess that makes sense. And we love them. Of course we (laughs) do. We have, we actually, I would like to plug yeah. That if you've come from out of state or you're new to special education and you somehow found this podcast, we really do. Idaho has a great partnership with the State Department of Education that is really honestly not replicated in other states. And I've been to no. other states, even though I'm the newest person here, mm-hmm. I've seen it and I've heard other pe- places complain. Well, mm-hmm. How did you do that? Yeah. How, how did you make that work? We get that question all the time. Any national conferences that we go to with our peers, it is not replicated across the country. Our our state department and our relationship is, it's a great one. And we are so lucky. Yeah. They wish we could be us. Yeah, they do. We've heard that time and time again. How in the world, you know, and we've, we've sat on panels to discuss our partnerships and the different projects that we work on to try to help other states replicate. Um, I think that's, what we, again, here we go off in the weeds. <laughs> My thought uh, is that, you know, Idaho is small enough still that we are able to really forge those relationships and maintain them. That's my thought. Shout out to you, Angela Lindig, yeah. Executive Director of Idaho Parents Unlimited, for putting in the work. Yes, and those relationships have been, yeah, they've been built over over the time. It hasn't just been, you know, within the last year. Yeah, since or 1985. Yeah. yeah, so that's why the State Department comes first, and then comes us. And we are kind of sandwiched in um, disability rights. There's Idaho Legal Aid, um, Idaho Bar Association, so... 
unfortunately, this makes us sometimes look like we are attorneys or we play them on TV or on podcasts, but we do not. We I are will, not. I will give you a lot of advice, but please do not listen to any legal <laughs> advice I give you. No. We are not attorneys. I will, I will absolutely provide yeah. you the resources that will get you to the people who should be providing you legal advice. Yes. Yes, we will. I'm only here for the purposes of entertainment. <laughs> And that even that sometimes is questionable. Sorry. Hey, just kidding. I'm kidding. I'll mute your microphone. She will. I will. Don't test me. So that is the whole IEP. Without as, goals. Without a deep dive. Yeah, without, without a deep dive. We, yeah. we briefly discussed yeah. them. So on that note, any 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 no. lingering thoughts you really want to add here? I don't think so. You know, you want the people to know. No. Okay. The IEP is a long document that is a legal document, but I will say this, it's fluid and it can be changed at any time. Um, I, I just got off the phone with a parent and told her the exact same thing. It's it's not written in stone. So just know that. And please call us. Uh-huh. Yeah. To help. We'll help. This we is- need a 1-800 number. 1-800-IDAHO Parents Unlimited. <laughs> I thought we had one. Thank you so much, everyone out there for listening in. If you are in Idaho or planning on moving to Idaho and have any questions on systems or services for children with disabilities, please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website. That's ipolidaho.org, I-P-U-L-Idaho.org. Be sure to come back next time where, surprise, surprise, we're going to have an in-depth discussion on strengths-based goals. And then after that, we'll take a small break from IEPs and discuss other areas of concern. Until then, I'm Allison. And I'm Melissa. And this has been Unlimited Parenting.